Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. Traveling and experiencing new countries and new places is not just about seeing it with your eyes, it's about experiencing with all your senses, eating the food, smelling the different environments, walking in the mountains, the feel the gradients, the different textures under your feet, uh, walking in rainforests and national parks, hearing birds, experience different animals from different countries. But ultimately, it's, it's about meeting the people from different countries or different cultures and having a conversation. And you don't need to see to do any of that. Which is a good thing because our guest today cannot see. But as you'll hear, he has some very fun and interesting stories to tell about his travels. Tony Giles has been to well over 100 countries already and refers to himself as Tony the Traveler. And on today's episode, we will be talking to him about some of his travels through Southern Africa and the book that he wrote about those experiences. But first for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Tony Giles. I think, um, obviously, it's difficult times for everyone across the world at the moment, and so just maybe say that people in lockdown who can't see their friends or their loved ones, just try and keep busy and try and have a sort of a basic plan each day. That's what I'm doing. You know, I sort of get up in the morning, I have breakfast, and then I plan what I'm going to look up each day. And sometimes it's a country I'm going to try, try and visit, or sometimes it's just a, a favourite author I'm interesting. So I'm trying to, you know, keep my mind busy, and uh, I've got lots of books to read. I suppose that would my tip would be, try and sort of, of a daily plan. Well, if somebody whose life normally includes so much travel, so much diversity, can keep himself happy even during the pandemic, everybody else should be able to also. Yeah, and I think it's also about, you know, continue to communicate with people and talk to people who might be physically isolated, but at least try and be not audioly isolated. I talk to my mum every day and my girlfriend every day. So even if it's just to say hello and I've run out of tea bags. <laughs> <laughs> Support for Eyes on Success is provided by Navi Lens, a four-color QR code designed to be located and read from up to 60 feet away without the need to focus on it. Personal places and items can be tagged and shared with family and friends with codes obtained inside the Navi Lens app, available for iPhone and Android. More information is at N-A-V-I-L-E-N-S dot com. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Tony. And here we are once again with the man who calls himself Tony the Traveler. But for people who may not have heard it before, Tony... Tell a little bit about yourself and who you are. Hi there, my name is Tony Giles. I'm from southwest England. I live in a small seaside town at the moment, about uh, three hours from London by train. I'm totally blind with a rare eye condition called cone dystrophy and photophobia. It basically means I'm sensitive to bright light, but don't see anything anymore apart from sense sunlight if it's very bright. And I went partially deaf when I was four or five years old. Now I wear digital hearing aids 
And I spent the last 22 years traveling the world independently. You sure have. And we've talked with you several times in the past about some of your travels. Today, we'll be talking about your latest book about traveling around Africa. But what else can you tell us about yourself that our listeners might be interested in? I'm 42 years old. I'll be 43 in September. Um, I live alone in a small apartment. And I've been in a relationship with a girlfriend from Greece for the last well, maybe 12 years this year. Uh, she lives in Athens, Greece, and she's also blind. And we travel to sort of friendly countries together, like Europe. We've been to the States a couple of times. And when I'm not traveling, I like to listen to audio books, a lot of historical fiction, autobiographies. And I cook myself. And I'm very fortunate I live only a three-minute, four-minute walk from a beach and the ocean so I can hear it and smell it whenever I want. So, A man who really knows how to enjoy the world and have a good time. Yeah, I like to live life. And it was actually Tatiana who first suggested to us that we interview you for the show. And then a few years ago, we had her on the show also talking about traveling together. when we were traveling in Egypt, which was quite cool. Yeah. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Tony Giles' solo travels around Southern Africa and the book he wrote about those experiences. As we mentioned in the introduction, you just put out a new book about your travels, and this one is about traveling around Africa. Can you tell us the name of that book? Yeah. So this third book's called Seeing a Slice of Southern Africa My Way, and it's my third ebook in a trilogy of books about my traveling blind. And what were the first two called? The first one was called Seeing the World My Way, and it was about why a blind person would want to go and see the world, quote unquote. And my second one was called Seeing the Americas My Way. It was a trip in South America and North America. We've had you on the show previously talking about the earlier two books, but today we wanted to talk about the most recent book. Can you give a brief description of that? It's about my travels around several countries in Southern Africa back in 2004-2005. I started in South Africa um, went to some of the major cities which I knew about, like Johannesburg, Cape Town, and Durban. And then I moved sort of into the interior, inland, went to a small country called Lesotho, which is a big mountain, and then travelled up along the coast into uh, the kingdom of Swaziland and then Mozambique, and then turned inland again to the very poor countries, what we call third world countries, as Zimbabwe and Zambia. Basically, meeting people, staying in campsites and very basic accommodation and meeting lots of local people and experiencing some historical places and cultural places and eating local food and having amazing experiences. And, of course, doing the occasional bungee jump or skydive along the way. So you raised an interesting question. We travel a fair amount. Not this year, obviously. And people are forever asking Pete, who's totally blind, why do you do that? You can't see anything. Why did you climb the mountain? You can't see the view. Why would a blind person want to travel the world? 
Well, the immediate answer is why not? And then the bigger answer is because is traveling and experiencing new countries and new places is not just about seeing it with your eyes. It's about experiencing with all your senses, eating the food, smelling the different environments, walking in the mountains, the fields of gradients, the different textures under your feet, uh, walking in rainforests and national parks, hearing birds, experience different animals in different countries. But ultimately, it's, it's about meeting the people from different countries or different cultures and having a conversation. And you don't need to see to do any of that. Now, when I travel, I'm usually with Nancy or someone who's sighted. We make very careful arrangements, stay in reasonably nice hotels, drive around in cars. You travel very differently. Yeah, I sort of, I'm sort of at the rough end of traveling, I suppose. I love that challenge and I love that notion of getting out and experience the raw parts of travel and countries and, and meeting people um, and meeting them on their terms and really trying to understand what the country I visit is like. That's what I want to experience. And also the fact I've been doing it since a very young age, since I was 15, 16 in the UK and then slightly older in the States. And usually when you travel, except when you travel with Tatiana, who is also blind, you're traveling alone and staying in youth hostels, getting your transportation on local buses or cabs. Yeah, and that's the kind of experience I want. And I like the independence and the freedom. And even though I'm traveling by myself, I'm always meeting people and interacting with people. But I've got that choice to be social or to be solo. Now, this trip down in Africa, how long was that? So I did it in 2004-05, and I spent roughly four and a half months in Southern Africa. And there was no real plan. So there was no real end date. Um, I just sort of went there to see how, how far I, I could get, really. Well, that's one of the questions I was going to ask you. Before you left for the trip, as we talked about, you often stay in local youth hostels or just some place where someone's renting a room. How do you find all these places in advance? And what do you take with you? You don't take four suitcases. No, I take a backpack uh, about the, the length of my back. Um, so it's probably about two, two feet long. And I just sort of stuff it with a few clothes. Um, obviously, I sort of research the weather and stuff. Um, going into Africa, I know the weather's going to be hot for the most part, apart from the mountains, or rain. So I usually take a raincoat. Um, I can roll up. I take things that are light I can carry, because obviously, being blind, I've got one hand on my cane and you know, my other hand on someone's arm or carrying my backpack. So suitcases aren't much good, really. Now I travel with a laptop so I can research as I'm traveling. But back then, I suppose the laptops weren't so small. And when it came to accommodations, did you just wing it from day to day and just hope there was a place to stay in the next few days where you were going to be someplace new? I'd usually ask people um, that accommodation I was staying in. I would say, oh, I'm thinking of going to this place. Do you know of any accommodation in that town or city? And in South Africa, it was reasonably easy because I could speak the language. And it got more difficult in Mozambique where it was uh, more Portuguese and local languages. A lot of it was word of mouth, which is sort of how I do my traveling anyway. 
you traveled through some pretty remote areas, and I assume they didn't have credit cards or banks. And what did you do for cash? Uh, yeah, most countries have banks, um, ATMs, but it's in the main cities, and obviously when it became more rural. So I took cash when I could, and I took British pounds and some US dollars to exchange money when the one ATMs available or working. So that was fairly easy. But I had one problem in Zambia where an ATM machine hit my bank card. Ooh. I had no money for about 10 days. Luckily, the place I was staying in, uh, the owner was understanding, and so I was able to make a tab and pay it back. As intrepid as you are, that can't be a very pleasant experience. It wasn't great. It was certainly a shock. Um, of course, I'm able to get the card back from the bank, but of course then the card was damaged. So yeah, being in the middle of Africa with no money is quite disconcerting. But luckily I'd made friends by then. I'd been there for about a week. And I was able to contact my mum eventually through the phone. I was in I was in Livingston, Zambia. It's a reasonable sort of good city and quite touristy. And then my mum was able to send me money through Western Union and then eventually sent me a new debit card through the diplomatic pouch. <laughs> so it took ages to get there, but it was safe. So yeah, that's the kind of fun that kind of happened in Africa. Well, from the descriptions in your book, it seems that you quite readily made friends and found people to help you, and you weren't often just alone. No, that's the fun of traveling. You're always meeting people, and you sort of, you know hearing their stories and where they've been, and then you sort of make friends. And the great is if you're sort of traveling for months and months, you meet them again, which is really nice in other places. And you weren't shy from trying new activities. I understand you actually went skydiving. I went skydiving for the third time in South Africa, and then I bungee jumped in South Africa and Zambia. I love it. I love the adrenaline rush. (laughs) (laughs) From the book, it sounds like the skydiving was more successful than the bungee jump. Uh, No, I survived both. I also went whitewater rafting, and that's where I came a little bit unstuck. As I fell in the river, <laughs> Ooh. which was a bit wet. So that was quite scary, especially as I sort of fell in the middle of a rapid. And that's like uh, sort of going round and round in a washing machine with the water in it. I take it someone came to save you. Eventually, yeah. yeah the, uh, a boat, one of the boats coming down after me saw me and pulled me out. Wow, that can be pretty disorienting. Uh, very. He's just going up and down, up and down. And you've got no idea of direction or anything. Well, or how close the next rock is. So I thought you hurt your ankle on the bungee jump, and that sort of impacted you limping around for quite a time. Yeah, I was in South Africa. I um, yeah, one of my ankles uh, sort of flared after after I bungee jumped. So the bungee jump was successful, but then a couple of days later, my ankle and my foot came up swollen, and I had to hobble around for about four or five days. That was a bit painful. I understand you also learned how to survive an attack from an ostrich while you were down in Africa. <laughs> yeah, I went to this ostrich farm in South Africa about an hour and a half from Cape Town. So if any of us are attacked by an ostrich, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, start sort of waving your arms at them in front of you. And if it doesn't stop them, lie down on the ground. And if it stands on you and you can survive the weight of an ostrich, and stay very still, eventually they'll walk away. <laughs> well, now we're all prepared if we run into that situation ourselves. Yeah. 
So you also got the opportunity to ride a horse through there. And that sounded like quite an experience being blind. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, when I went to this small country called Lesotho, and it's sort of in the middle of South Africa, it's it's completely surrounded by South Africa, and it's mountainous, and people get around by horses or walking. And I spent a couple of days doing a pony trek with a group. And that was really cool. Um, Obviously, you're feeling the the air, and then... um, especially when the horses are countering. You feel the, the wind through your hair and bumping up and down and um, you're sort of hanging on, hoping that the pony knows where it's going and putting its feet in the right place, especially when we were going down the mountains. They got very steep at one point. That could be pretty tricky, I would guess. It was, yeah. That's what you try and sort of feel for the pony's movements and move with it. And eventually you sort of become in tune with the animal. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And you can hear the echo from the rocks and feel the heat and the dust. Was that your first time on a horse? No, I used to ride as a child at school, but um, obviously in more um, easy conditions. And then I've ridden in South America, but on flatter terrain. But this is my first time on a pony in the mountains and going down, up and down the valleys. That was a, a different experience. And as a blind person, you obviously can't guide the horse. I assume one horse follows the other and they're pretty well behaved on the trail? Yeah, they're um, pretty assured of foot and they're used to people. So, yeah, they pretty much follow each other. And then you're in a group, so you sort of do sort of wander off and other people can sort of grab your reins and pull you back on. um, Yeah, at one point I was actually trotting and cantering by myself, (laughs) which was fun. That involves putting a lot of faith in the horse and a lot of trust. Yeah, yeah, trust the animal and trust the trust the guides, and I suppose I'm used to trusting people. Oh, what's the worst that could happen, right, Tony? They fall off. <laughs> <laughs> You've probably had worse. Yes. One thing that did surprise me, which is kind of a minor detail, is you often talked about putting on your flip-flops. And as a blind person who walks around quite a bit in rough terrain myself, I think of always putting on more robust shoes and something with good ankle support. And I was surprised to hear that you were running around in flip-flops quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so it's, when it's so hot, your feet swell and you, you just can't breathe in shoes and trainers and stuff so flip-flops and um i found these sandals now with better ankle support but they're um they're still open so they've got better support but they they allow your feet to breathe flip-flops are quite good in hot conditions you don't find yourself stubbing your toe on rocks sticking out of the pavements i stub my toes wearing whatever shoes i'm wearing it's just a habit of being blind were there any times through your journey when you were actually afraid of being robbed or some accident happened or being lost? Um, obviously, I was quite worried and scared when I fell out of the raft. I didn't quite know why, A, where I was or directions and whether if another raft had seen me. So that was quite panicky. Um, and when I got my debit card stuck in the uh, cash machine and I had no money, that was um, quite upsetting because I sort of had to rely on others uh, and you never like to sort of, you know, ask other people to lend you money and stuff. You know, it just feels uncomfortable, even though, you know, people were so willing to give me money and, and help me 
Uh, before I went to Zimbabwe, I worried a little bit because I knew it was a very poor country. And I thought that could be complicated. Um, not so much traveling in Zimbabwe, but getting through the immigration and stuff. I thought I could be bribed at that point because uh, that does happen a lot. Yeah, you did talk about some uncomfortable times when you were going through customs and people would take your passport and you didn't know where it was for some time in a crowd. Yeah, that's right, because obviously when you can see, you've got some idea where it's going. But when you can't see where your passport's gone, you don't know, oh, are you going to get it back? Have you got to pay some money to get it back? So that was worrying and a bit stressful. But once it happened a couple of times and I got my passport returned and, no, returned, and it became a little bit easier. But yeah. You know, all I can think about is if I was doing this kind of traveling, my mom, when she was alive, would have just been beside herself and really nervous. And, you know, she would be really unsettled by that kind of traveling. And I'm wondering how your mom copes with that. Well, when I first started traveling, when I was a lot younger, uh, 18, 19, partying, drinking, and sort of didn't email as much, she was worried, obviously. But as I got older and matured more, um, and I, you know, I'm more, more in contact with her. I think she's become more used to it. And as she says, well, I always keep coming home. So, for better or for worse, right? Yeah. And she, even even if she sort of didn't like it and tried to stop me, she knew I couldn't. I'd do it because this is what I love. This is my passion. So, I guess these days it's a little bit easier with cell phones and the internet to keep in communication with people back home. Yeah, so it's a lot easier to communicate now uh, in most places. So. Yeah, so that helps, and I'm not doing so crazy things so much. I think my girlfriend worries, Tatiana worries more. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that in the UK, you even had restrictions on the amount of time you could spend outside during part of this. Yeah, we had quite a lot of restrictions during lockdown. Um, I only allowed, at the moment, um, exercise outside for an hour, go for a walk, visit shops. Um, So we're quite restricted. Um, and it's more difficult in the bigger cities. Um, you've got to try and avoid crowds and stuff. It's quite difficult if you're blind, as you probably appreciate, trying to keep two metres or six feet away from someone when you can't see them. That is tough. And you also never know who's wearing a mask and who isn't. Yeah. Um, you can smell them and sometimes hear them, but you don't always know. Yes. It's not so bad in a small town here, but, you know, I had to go to uh, London a couple of times for things, and it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to hope people are wearing masks. Have you been able to spend some of your lockdown time planning your next trip? Yeah, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm uh, doing research. Uh, I want to go to Myanmar or Burma, but then they decided to have a military coup last week. It's nothing you haven't done before, as I recall. That's true. That's true. But, um, hopefully it'll let me in. Uh, that's sort of maybe next January. Um, I've been looking at a couple of other couple of countries in Southeast Asia, uh, Laos, Vietnam, and countries like that. Um, obviously, the first place I'll go is Greece once uh, we can fly again and stuff. You've been to well over a hundred countries around the world by now, correct? I've been 125 officially, according to the UN's list of countries, and then some countries that are not classed. So yeah. Um, so I've been kept busy for the last 20 years and I got another seven, number 70 on the UN list, mostly in Asia and a few left in Africa. Well, then if you're lucky, they'll get new names and change borders and there'll be new and old countries. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to keep me busy for the rest of my life. Do you have a favorite place you've been after all that traveling you've done? Um, I still, still say New Zealand's the best country I've been to. I think because it reminds me of England a lot in the nature and the weather. It's quite cold and can be quite wet at times. And obviously, New Zealand speak English, which helps, makes it easier. Uh, it's just like the spaces in the nature over there, and it's much more relaxed than parts of the UK. It can get quite tense here, especially in the bigger cities. It's just overpopulated. And so somewhere like New Zealand with four or five million people, it's very relaxed and, yeah, I could live there. And how about if places that you have not traveled to? Is there someplace special that you're particularly looking forward to traveling to? Um, India, I think, would be amazing. You haven't been there? I've not been to India yet. I've been to Sri Lanka, and I was going to go to India last year, but then we had COVID and lockdown and stuff, so that got postponed. But yeah, it's, it's so many different places in India, and imagine different types of food, different experiences. The temples, obviously, but just traveling about would be amazing. It's just, you know, I spent a month in Sri Lanka uh, 12 years ago, and that was amazing. So and that's, I imagine that would sort of be a mini version of India, but even more chaotic. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Tony Giles and his travels, how to get hold of his books, and how to contact him directly. Tony, maybe you can remind people about the names of your various books and where they can obtain the books. Okay, yeah. So um, my newest ebook is called Seeing a Slice of Southern Africa My Way. And then my first book was called Seeing the World My Way. And then the second book following on is called Seeing the Americas My Way. They're all available as ebooks from all ebook websites um, to download and listen to or read. Yeah, the Kindle books and ebooks. Um, I think people have iPhones or Android phones can use apps to listen to them or read them. And you also have a website. Can you tell us what your website is? Yeah, I have a website called TonyTheTraveler.com. It's spelled Traveler with two L's. And then my Facebook page is called Tony the Traveler. And people can contact me through my website or my Facebook. They have questions or they want to find out more about me and what I do when I'm traveling and when I'm not traveling. And there are certainly some fun stories in those books. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, if you're looking for any of that contact information or you want to find the books, just go to the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And Nancy, I think you had an announcement to make to people about a new YouTube channel that we've set up for Eyes on Success. We did. We just set it up a few weeks ago, but we have populated it with every episode that was aired in 2021. And you can find it if you search for Eyes on Success with hosts Peter and Nancy Torpy. And to make it easy, we'll also have that in our show notes and on our website. 
That's it for show number 2114. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about coping with vision loss. Paul Wallace is a low vision optometrist whose treatment relies on dealing with the psychological adjustment to vision loss before engaging patients in the use of adaptive aids. We'll talk to him about various types of vision loss, his treatment methods, as well as about his recently published book entitled Macular Degeneration, A Guide to Help Someone You Love. And I think you'll find that show very interesting if you have any vision issues at all. So join us then. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy, and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.